record. Hi, and welcome. I'm Emily. And I'm Tom. And we are... Wicked. <laughs> Twisted. Welcome to our podcast where we talk about all things wicked. And Twisted. We are a new podcast and our goal is to provide light amongst the wild and mysterious conspiracies, cults, and the unknown that exist out there. How you doing, Emily? How's your week? Well, apparently not so well because we already screwed up the intro. <laughs> that's okay. That, that's a good summary of my week as well. You know, I started a new job and it's, oh, yeah. yeah, and it, it's that classic, like, um, you know, nothing, but you're asked to learn about everything, right? Uh, kind of a thing, right? And, and so, yeah, I mean, you just, you get to that point where you're like, oh, okay, I know how to do this component or, or this piece of my work. And then you feel good about it. And then you like walk 10 feet and you're like, nah. <laughs> no, I don't know how to do any. I always got that feeling of, and I think Neil Gaiman talks about it. He's like a really famous author, um, imposter syndrome. And he like talks about the fact that you think that you know, like what you're doing or you're pretending to know what you're doing. And then one day you get a knock at the door and like they come to get you and they always have a clipboard and they're like, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> well, that's, that's super interesting. I mean, I can remember when you and I had both started our job when we worked together in education. Mm -hmm. I remember my first day, our old boss, she I think I came in, oh my gosh, did I ever tell you the story of my first day at work in education? I think you did because I think we both had really crazy first days, but I want to hear it again. So my first day, I get a text from my boss. Now this is my first management job, right? So I'm ready mm -hmm. and wearing a suit and tie, really prepared for this. Like I want to present myself the most professional that I can and she doesn't even call me she shoots me a text message and she was like hey low-key my car is broken down <laughs> on the side of the road <laughs> do you know anything about cars and I was like I mean a little bit sure she was like well, my radiator is on the spritz and like I had some like seltzer water in my car so I poured it down the radiator. I don't think I ever <laughs> This is my first day. I've never met this woman outside of an interview. Um, and um, so she was like, I made it to our daycare center at this address. Can you meet me there? And I was like, sure, like no problem. <laughs> so <laughs> she tries to show me the problem with her car and she opens up her passenger side door and you just have literal just hands just tumbling out. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> and so we just, we moved on with our lives. And um, while we're waiting for AAA, and she brings me to this daycare property that we have. I'm sure you know the one where I'm talking about down the street from our old branch. And she was like uh, trying to give me the demographic info about one of the programs that I'm running, um, which for you listeners, working with school age children, kind of like an after school, before school kind of setting. Um, but anyway, a lot of these children had enrolled 
And I think there was a couple of hundred of them that were expected to attend like next week, like in less than five business days. And as you can imagine, you have to have a lot of files to take somebody's child from them for an extended <laughs> period of time. Like there's just a lot of legality that goes with and that. I can only guess that. So none of the files were collected. <laughs> I knew it. I had never been, I had never been in a management position before. So you can imagine my discomfort just picking up a phone. Right. Honestly, like to the, to the viewers listening to this, that was the worst. This is how Tom and I became friends because it was the worst job that we both ever had. And every day we contemplated jumping off of a bridge together. Oh, absolutely. I know the location of every bridge in our old <laughs> town that we worked I have, I have printouts of like which bridges we were, we were going to choose. <laughs> and, and please do not be concerned about us because for the most part, it was a joke. But our humor is also very dark and we are millennials and it goes with all that. Um, I'm sure that the viewers have loved this little story, but I, I think that they also came here to listen to something else too. Well, that is true, but I don't know, Emily, if you would consider it listening or something, I don't know, predetermined. It's really hard to say, but I can tell you this, um, there's a philosopher from Oxford, Nick Bostrom, um, mm-hmm. that wrote a paper essentially saying that there's three possibilities to humanity, right? Uh-huh. One of which is that we developed the technology um, to create simulated realities. Are you covering simulated realities? Because that is on my list of things to cover. I could be. <laughs> okay. All right. I love it and I accept it. Please okay. tell me what else we're talking about today. All right. Well, Nick Bostrom also suggested that if any civilization do reach this phase of technology, none of them would bother to run the simulations due to ethics, right? Because mm-hmm. if we look at human history, we can find plenty of times where we've sided on ethics, right? We have those large debates today about pro-life and like deeper politics about human choice like you know you've got women's rights and gay rights and all these things and so Mm -hmm. constantly we make decisions centered around ethics and the third one all the time because i'm a researcher and so like we have an institutional review board that that literally covers ethics right yeah and so the third possibility is that evidently that technology was not developed and that we just face extinction because evidently we have to accept some known values today, which is that global warming exists and it has an inevitable future that leads to worldwide destruction. Mm. We have some resource- of our viewers would definitely say that global warming doesn't exist. And I'm not one of them, but like we should cover that at some point. Okay. But even if you don't believe in that, there is a growing population. Should. We have multiple billions of people on this planet and only so many resources. And we see evidently, you know, there's not enough food to go around and et cetera, et cetera. And, and so you could say that even that technology will get better, like GMOs for food, will be able to produce more food for a growing population, et cetera, et cetera. 
but on an anatomical level, right? As they say, there's just as much water today when dinosaurs were walking the earth or not, whatever you believe in, but as there is today, evidently we can't create more atoms. Mm. And so that is what Nick Bostrom had to say. Okay. Okay. So hang on. So in the span of, I don't even know how many seconds, we just covered like three really big things. So can you just like, for our viewers and for me, because I guess I'm confused too, what exactly are you talking about today? Like, what is your topic? What are you trying to convince me of, Tom? I'm trying to prove that we live in a simulated reality. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Perfect. I love it. Please continue. Okay. Well, if you think about it, 40 years ago, Emily, we, 40 years ago, give or take, viewers can correct me, that's fine. Um, But my point still stands over a short amount of time. We started with a video game such as Pong. And earlier today, I'm playing Beat Saber with the freaking thing on my head in in VR reality, right? So um, later on in my discussion, we'll get to a computer scientist and video game designer In 2019, he wrote a book called The Simulation Hypothesis. Um, His name is Rizvan Varek. Um, He says that there are 10 stages of technology development that a civilization would have to go through to get what we call the simulation point, a point where we can create this realistic simulation that we live in. He says that- So right now, Tom, right now, Tom, are we in a simulation? I believe so, yes. Do you actually believe it, though? I do. Real? Why not? I'm not saying why not, because I think I've gone back and forth with this, too. And, like, the first time that I had heard, well, I guess I hadn't, like, I don't even remember the first time that I heard about it. But I know that Elon Musk thinks that we're in a simulation. He's actually a big, like, advocate for that. Right, and he does. And I think what he talks about is our expansion as civilization doesn't solve the problems that we've always had in civilization, which is that resource resource deficiency and like global problems are not one way or another. There is some sort of global problem that you have to evidently accept. Maybe not all of them. That's up to our viewers, but um, evidently the earth cannot sustain us for whatever reason. Um, He believes that like Elon Musk has talks and we'll touch base about this a little bit later that here's a great analogy. So I, you viewers obviously cannot see Emily's screen. We're talking to each other here on zoom. Um, but she's got a lovely flower in her background. Um, can you tell me how that flower is made or what it's made of? What this one, like the one right here. Sure. Yep. Okay. So she's great. So a poster. Yep. Yeah. Um, I guess it like it probably made um, in a Chinese factory by women who are absolutely not being paid enough for whatever they're doing or not being paid at all and basically being abused. So yes, let's, let's bring light to the terrible things I have on my wall, which for viewers who cannot see is literally just like an elephant. Um, what are they called? like an elephant mandala that you just like hang up on your wall, a tapestry. Um, But it's made out of thread and thread is made out of something and something is made out of atoms. And when you get down to it, it's all just atoms and molecules. 
Right, but what what arranged those atoms to be a sweatshop no. tapestry? Oh, <laughs> should we name this episode a sweatshop tapestry? I love it. Yeah, so if you're searching um, for this episode in the future, it's titled Sweatshop Tapestry. <laughs> <laughs> Which is bad. Sweatshops are bad. People do not. Uh, it's very Yeah, this is serious shit. In, in the economy that we live in today, but... Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. I, I don't know, like, what did make them come together like that? Right, and you could suggest that there's a natural order and things just organize as they organized. Mm-hmm. But that's information. Mm-hmm. So kind of trailing back to my point, um, Rizwan Verek, who wrote that book in 2019, Um, He says that out of the 10 stages of technology development that a civilization would need to get to the simulation we're living in now, he says that we're at about stage five, which is um, about virtual reality and augmented reality, that we can create such a space for that. Um, So as earlier today, I'm playing Beat Saber on my VR setup. Mm -hmm. He's saying that that's stage five. And there are 10 stages? There are. Um, So we're halfway there. We are, correct. But, and you could say that that would mean we're not currently in one, but um, the whole point of this theory is that simulations are endless and we could be in a deeper simulation. Like, because a simulation would require a hyper-realistic, go for it. Oh, I'm sorry for the audience. I get thoughts and then like my hands go up because I'm Italian. do you watch Rick and Morty, Tom? Um, I've seen it on occasion, sure. Great. So there is literally an episode based on reality being a simulation, and it's one of my favorite episodes. And what happens is that Rick creates a world, like in a box, to do something for him, and he pretends like he's some alien, okay? And so when he comes to visit the the civilization that he's created as like their god, their aliens, he like flips them off by saying like, that's their hello. Like he taught them all that that means hello. Um, and they have a whole fully functioning economy. And then the one scientist who's kind of like supposed to be the Rick of the whole world then creates his own simulation and does the same thing. And it just creates layers of like, simulation within a simulation within a simulation within a simulation. Right. That's interesting. And I think that as we look at what our simulation could entail, it would have to create hyper-realistic things. So the simulation would actually have to allow ourselves some free thought or some conscious thought, or in some Mm. religions, it's referred to as like free will. Yeah. That's perfectly designable, but that is what creates like a genuine hyper-realistic simulation like I think that whatever we are we would recognize patterns and you can actually look at nature a lot of scientists today that are pro sim theory are looking at nature and actually finding mathematical equations in, in in nature like I think everyone goes through middle school and learns about the rule of three in nature that there are evidently these mathematical repeated things that occur in nature, regardless of plant or regardless of geographic area. Mm-hmm. So a lot of scientists, and unfortunately I don't have notes on this, but you can very accessibly read on Google that um, there the are math, the Googs, you can <laughs> give it a good Googling. Machine. 
<laughs> Googly. That's how we We should have been Google. on the development team of Google. We would have I made a better name. I would have name. died to be on the development team of Google. I would have absolutely Do you remember it. Ask Jeeves? I loved Ask Jeeves. I also liked when Bing came out. And I know that people, <gasps> like one of my coworkers uses DuckDuckGo, which I think is awesome. Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I do. I do very much remember Ask Jeeves. Um, he was one of my faves. So or do you remember the old Yahoo commercial? And they're like, oh, my Yahoo. gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't. I we're apologize old, to anybody. I know do people still use Yahoo. Yeah, apparently. It's yeah. awful. I know it, it. It's not good. I don't like it. <laughs> All right. So moving on, Rizwan Varek, and I'm sure I pronounced his name wrong and, and the viewers can correct me voraciously yeah, like... right i i unfortunately am you know not very english v- yeah to say it simply um stage six so we're in stage five right now so we have capability around vr and augmented reality stage six is about the fact that 3d printers can now print 3d pixels of objects which show oh. us that objects can be broken down as information so just as we're talking about your sweatshop tapestry, our episode title. <laughs> our episode title. I kind of do want to name it that. So, um, it, What that's saying is that, yes, there are atoms. And yes, we can see those under a microscope. But relatively, those are not small objects. And when we break down atoms and do electrons and protons and got your beta and your alpha particles, it's not about those particles. It's about the organization of those particles. So if I am able to, I'm not sure which of our viewers are familiar with like commands prompt on our computer, like really basic language, like binary, which makes up all the other more complex languages in our computer. I'm able to use the most basic computer technology to create you know, that sweatshop tapestry. Wow. Because so, it's not the atoms, it's not the particles, it's not the, mo- like any of that. It's about organizing those things. So, well, then wouldn't our society already be at a level six? If like, we're able, like, think about it. All of the things that we're able to create with machinery and stuff like that, those are all 3D objects. Like 3D printers just do exactly what other machines do, which just does it all in one. Yeah. So, I mean, I think this was written in 2019. And to be honest, I don't think that 3D printers had come like to a full presentation yet. So I would say that we are in stage um, six. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, to our viewers, I made a mistake. So I didn't read the first bit of that information. (laughs) Um, stage, Stage six is also about learning to render VR without having to put on glasses. So regardless, I think we're actually still there. Um, Like you look at the new video games that use VR and now instead of having cameras that designate a grid and you go and do a program and say, hey, there's a table there. Right now we currently have VR, which is just a helmet with like a 360 of cameras that say we could see the table. We're going to design a video game around you not entering that zone. 
So this computer scientist is saying that the next stage would be learning that we can make that headset. Right. Exactly. Wow. So wow, that's like. So instead of a sender and a receiver, the sending being the computer, the Xbox, or the PlayStation, or whatever, and a receiver being you wearing the helmet, they're just Mm -hmm. being a sender. So more in the fashion of holograms or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. So 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 that that's cool because so far you've kind of like discussed what's in level five and what's in level six did you do any research on like what was level one through four I didn't and I'm also really interested in that and if our researchers find any accessible information about that we would love to maybe touch base about that I definitely think that we should revisit this topic like later on in the podcast okay Yeah, um, he has a book where he touches base about it, but I wasn't able to like order it and read it in a reasonable mm-hmm. amount of time. Um, but <laughs> oh, other you mean than you that, you don't have thousands of hours to do leisurely things, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, but like I know it is in that book. This is all, and I, I'll give my citations later in this episode. But this is okay. all from his book. But I think that. Um, this author was very good about keeping that in the book, unfortunately. Um, so if we're in a simulation right now, Tom, who, who the F is controlling my miserable life? (laughs) Who is doing this to me? Well, so Elon Musk talks about that and, and we'll touch base about pleasant versus unpleasant kind of Mm. experiences in a simulation, but Elon Musk talks about that. And if you look over the course of 40 years, or it doesn't have to be 40, just a short period of time, we've gone from gigantic computers uh, boiled down to the same amount of technology, if not more, to fit in my pocket. And so the power and the memory and the processing power is increasing and increasing at an extraordinary rate. Um, so it's like baffling. Sure. So like in a very simplistic form, Elon Musk had suggested that we are sending self-replicating robots to other planets because they'll be able to sustain those harsh temperatures or those harsh environments. And those Mm -hmm. self-replicating robots are setting up essentially like server farms. And for our viewers that don't know what that is, Um, any like a huge company is going to have buildings that just have rows of um, essentially hard drives and stuff like that, that process all the information. So you as a user can interact with their website or their video game without having to contain all of that power. Um, So that's essentially what Elon Musk is saying is that at a certain point, instead of us trying to leave earth, Earth has exploded or depleted of resources. So we've all died, but the last remaining humans, certainly a smaller population, have gone to another planet and are using other planets in that system or multiple Hmm. universe or galaxies or whatever um, to send these robots to build these computers to foster this network that we would need for us all to live in a simulation. And he spoke a little bit more and, you know, also um, Rizwan Varick also had to get touched base on this a little bit as well in some articles that 
you actually don't need that much computing power because one of the biggest research um, experiments that had come out um, was about, sorry for all you viewers, I just, I have so many notes I'm trying to find the <laughs> way to go through them. Talk about. Um, well, I think, I mean, so far, Tarong, you covered a lot of content and like the, the theory that we live in a simulation isn't in my mind uncommon to religion in a way, because like somebody believes that out there so let's use catholicism for for whatever reason um because i am a recovering catholic myself where i am no longer catholic um somebody out there believes that like god created us all and he created us all to live and to eat and to thrive and to do this and to do that and give us free will and then we all die at the very end i mean in relation that's that's not uncommon to a simulation itself right and and so those things are actually more probable if we lived in a simulation because what you're talking about is a naturalistic view of the lifeline of humanity. Yes. But if you look at cave drawings and you look at even more modern religions like Catholicism and Judaism and Hinduism and all of that, they all refer to a God or a greater being, mm. but that God or greater being is us. It's more likely to be us, right? It's more that likely like that in a simulation we had to you have a rick sanchez who's like hey <laughs> i need you guys to power this one thing that i need so you all live in a box and pretend that i'm a god yeah exactly <laughs> but like but if you look at those reasons. drawings like you know there's that famous one of two angels that are like touching their thumbs touching. together yeah. right but like but that is referring to two things that's referring to a greater being, which could be ourselves. And that's why in that painting, they both were human. Mm -hmm. um, but then it also that that touching point between those fingers, that's referring to what the Big Bang was. That's referring to for those that don't live like believe in evolution, um, what that moment of creation for God, whoever that is for some people was that zero to existence concept and which we as a note by the way are not trying to disregard anybody's beliefs or their feelings or we are just casually having a conversation about this if you believe in god that's totally cool it's awesome we absolutely support your beliefs we're just talking about like theories that we think are possible Continue. correct Correct. And, and I agree with Emily. And, and to say that to our viewers myself, I, I don't particularly believe in any of these concepts that we're talking about, but they are very interesting, which is why we're talking about them today. That zero to existence concept only becomes more probable and more reasonable if we're living in a simulation. Because if I want to boot up a game of Sims, the characters in the sims didn't exist before i hit that you know that play button or that power button to start up that program right but once it has been started up i've created a universe those sim characters interact and, and i know that you might think initially it's funny to think about it but think about it if you know you like 
like I used to lock my Sims characters in like a pool or something until they jump. Maybe I should like, maybe I'll be a murderer in five years or whatever. But like oh everyone did that or like on Zoo Tycoon, you would like delete the gate. And like I will happens. say that Zoo Tycoon was my shit. I didn't care about the Sims whatsoever. But Zoo Ty- to this day, I have the Zoo Tycoon CD-ROM and Do I'm you still really? plugging it in. I do, and I still plug it into my computer. 1,000%. I release those tigers on people. Like, I release the lions. Okay, and then so do you we're remember both going to be murderers. Like, yes. And do you remember they'd get, like, caged up when they were in trouble? Like, because yeah. they eat in a person, and it, like, just a cage would appear. Um, yeah. So, like, but, but it's you interesting, just, though. But you just said two really interesting things, right? There's a sense of pre- self-preservation. Right that character like locked itself up in a cage or went to a certain location in the cage in the game or whatever, when you exposed it to a threat, just like we feel pain. I mean, we feel pain in dreams. We feel physical things in dreams that aren't happening. Mm -hmm. Like I had a dream last night. Who's to say that that lion and those fake people that got eaten didn't feel that? We don't know. Right. I mean, you don't have to experience it, but if they have I mean, if you think in a more naturalistic sense and you don't believe in a simulation theory, I would say this. What's different from that sim reacting in a game than you reacting to a stimuli of like burning yourself or something like that? Like my neighbor next door would never know that I burnt myself for the rest of his life, but it still happened. It still exists. Well, and I'm thinking about it because my brother is like a huge Sims person. He loves to play the Sims. And I, I grew up definitely watching my cousins play it too. But um, I remember you would like click on the person and then it would give you options. And like in that instant, it was like that person's going through all of the things that they can do in their head, right. which literally is just like your, your sense of free will to be like today, I would like to go take a shower. And then I would like to get out of the shower and I would like to go cook a meal. Like those are all the options that are available for you to click on. Right, right, exactly. And so that the the Sims, again, is a game, something that we can play or do tycoon or whatever is a great example of how there could be more than one simulation folded into each other. Mm. So like ours, so we are controlling a simulation of that game but we're also being controlled by either a larger simulation or if we are the parent simulation by ourselves in the future. So ourselves in the future. Right. Do you mean like, so oh like God, am I, am I stupid? Like, is there a me in the future controlling it? Or are you saying like, I just mean like just being. humans, just like okay. the human population. I, that, that no, that's like a whole nother episode. We, oh, we have to get into that at some point. But like that totally just blew my mind for a second. That was an unintentional mind blowing. Did you see my eyes glaze over? Because like they, they did. I was like, I was like, maybe I touched something magical. I'm just going to roll with it. But no, it was like my, eye, my eyes like out of my head. All right. So I'm going to, Emily, I think we touched base about the possibilities, but I guess for those of you that don't believe that we live in a sim theory because you believe in naturalistic views that either there's a God or there was the Big Bang, if you really just think about it, 
this is more possible in a simulation because we already evidently in our own lives have experienced where a zero to existence thing can occur in a computer. When I hit that power button, it goes from zero nothing to completely existing. We've proved that in 3D printers that we could print stuff based on information in our computer. I can print a, you know, a, a, a cup on a 3D printer just with information, just ones and zeros. Out of all the things that you could have chosen, I enjoyed that you were like, a cup, I could make a cup to sip out of. <laughs> well, it, so <laughs> that and <laughs> I, will, I will leave you off with this because this is not proven today. And this is actually a relatively recent experiment. And by that, um, I apologize to our viewers. I don't have the dates off the top of my head, but if you guys want to hound us in the comments, that's great. Um, but the point still stands. There was a recent in the past couple of years experiment where I'm sure you've heard of the experiments in school where you take a piece of paper with a couple of slits in it, like, right, let's say two slits in a piece of paper, like vertical square slits. And you send a wave of light through it. On the other side, the receiving side, it produces a certain pattern. When you send- Mom, I've never done this experiment. I must have gone to a completely different middle school or elementary It's school. okay. I'm about to- I have to, no for, idea what you're talking for, about. For those viewers that are listening and not seeing, I'm going to perform a demonstration on camera for Emily and she's shaking her head. <laughs> but that's what I'm searching. doing. So- what they did is they, <laughs> again, I'm, I'm performing a demonstration for her on camera and I apologize for those of you that can't see. Oh, by the um, way, he had to use um, hot dog or hamburger to figure out where to do the, the slices. Yeah, paper. I did. <laughs> but like, but you have this piece of paper, right? It's really yep. professionally prepared. He, he literally like, he took a piece of paper, <laughs> tore it in half and then like took a pen and like, <laughs> tried to stab it a bunch of times to get some lines. And for those of you that can't see, I'm a little disappointed that she discovered what I had done because I didn't want her to know that. I knew. Um, so the source is in front of this, right? And if it's waves, it passes through these slits and on okay. the back end, on like your flat surface, it projects a certain pattern. Oh, okay. So you're, you're just talking about like, so the person would only be able to see like two lines of light basically well so the concept is that when a wave passes through that gate or like that hole when it yeah. comes out the other side those waves re-collide and perform a certain pattern and okay. regardless of how many billions of times you perform that experiment you'll always get the same pattern okay so I'm just trying to like visualize it for the people who obviously cannot see what we're doing. It, it reminds me of if you, you know, shine a light on a wall and then you make shadow puppets, you know what I mean? Like you right. get a pattern out of what isn't, what that light isn't able to go through. Right. Exactly. 
And so the other setup of this experiment is that if you have the same holes or the same barrier that you're trying to shine through or pass something through, if instead of waves like radio waves or light waves, if it's a single particle, like a linear line, it produces a different type of pattern, right? Okay. Okay. But the experiment that was conducted recently, and this goes back to simulation theory, because in simulation theory, um, simulation theory, just to backtrack a little bit, um, was touched upon. Frantically searching for his notes. Frantic. His eyes are like darting back and forth. Left all right. And right. Let, let me let me just sidetrack really quick. We've all heard the analogy, like, does a tree really fall in the woods if you don't hear it? Okay. And so that's very supportive of um, simulation theory because in a simulation, there's not enough computing power for your NI simulation to produce data that would be like occurring in China or Germany, like somewhere really far from us. It all all oh, the simulation oh, has so to have computing power to do is the stuff that you see and the stuff that you would implicably interact with but it doesn't have to compute stuff that you're not going to interact with I was just going to say so it's like I don't know if anybody's ever seen Coraline but there's that there's that part in Coraline where the cat is talking and talking about how like oh this is all a simulation you literally like you can walk through this forest but this forest doesn't exist unless you're in it so right now, like right. I'm, I'm in a room and everything that I, like I can see right now, I can see my laptop, I can see my TV, I can see the walls and my door is closed, but there's nothing that actually says that there's anything behind that door until I'm physically there or can see it. Exactly. So scientists have done the same thing, right? Like same analogy. Like, so I think a scientist way back when, and I apologize to my viewers who are going to have the capacity of Google at their time um, to hold me over the coals or whatever. But there is a scientist anyway that put a cat in a box and hopefully that box is ventilated and everything. I, but okay, the scientist so again, asked, you're stealing another topic of mine. Okay, but I, I won't go too much into it. But the scientist asks this question, is this cat dead or alive? And he asks people and people take their guesses. And then he says, okay, well, how do we find out? And they say, well, you have to open the box. And that is exactly the point that there is no existence of that cat until you open it up. The like status of that cat being dead or alive does not exist until you open it and you see it and you interact with it. So it's sign um, Schrodinger's cat. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And that cat is both dead and alive. And we, it's so until funny you bear it. Right. Mm -hmm. So this same thing, going back to this experiment, so if you shoot rays through a pattern or through like two holes, it produces a pattern. It'll always produce that pattern. If and you so shoot... you're using that as an analogy for your eyeballs, like your head and your eyeballs. Yes, exactly. And so in this experiment, the same thing happens. We can get a different pattern if we shoot something linear that is not in waves. It's like a bunch of molecules in a straight line. We produce a different pattern because the wave is an arc. And those molecules that we could shoot in a straight line in a very controlled way are, is a straight line. So when it passes through 
those two slits on that piece of paper, it's going to produce a different pattern. Those two scenarios will always produce the same patterns for each other. The trick is, and what we have found is really groundbreaking and in support of simulation theory, is that instead of believing in um, believing that atoms exist and they always exist in time and space, this recorded experiment, this very scientific, controlled backup data experiment has shown that if they put a measuring device somewhere between those slits in that back piece of paper to measure that pattern, whatever pattern is going to be produced, if they put a measuring device to capture the state of that wave or the state of that line, it'll still produce that same pattern. If we create a point of entry where we observe it, the pattern changes, but it changes after the recording of what that pattern will be. Meaning, and to simplify, that recording device is saying, you know, the pattern is going to be A, but then if we observe it in our given inclination that, like, if we're lied to and, and, like what they've done is they've created a random machine that will say, we have no way of telling whether a wave will pass through or a linear line of molecules will pass through. Mm-hmm. But the measuring tool will tell us that it's going to be a wave or it's going to be like a linear line. But if we before create it happens. The, before it happens, but between that measurement and the back piece of paper or chalkboard or whatever that's going to produce that pattern, mm-hmm. if we observe it, even after it's been measured to tell us what kind of pattern it'll be, it'll change before it'll we change. It. So our observation has changed the literal principles of space and time. Okay, stop. My honestly, my brain hurts again because every time I talk about this, I go way too deep into it. Um, damn, Tom. Damn. And this experiment has been reproduced numerous times. This experiment is done in universities because it well, is. Well, I was so just going to say that the original one that we were talking about, the um, and I can never say his name right, so I completely apologize to anybody who does speak um, any other languages than what I do. Schrodinger, Schroding. Schrodinger's cat cat, has not actually ever been done. So what you're saying is that there was a machine that they created to do that. Yeah. So the machine basically allows the input to be random. And so that we can't know whether um, one pattern is going to be produced versus the other because it's either a wave or it's a linear line of atoms and those produce two different patterns. However, if they put a measuring stick through Mm -hmm. it after the pattern's been determined, so the measuring stick is measuring the pattern after it's been determined based on Mm -hmm. obstacles earlier in the course, Mm -hmm. it does not matter because as soon as we observe it, the pattern changes, but that's after it's been recorded. So the observation of it has literally changed the rules of space and time. 
that yeah every yeah and that's been reproduced and that only supports simulation theory because if we all live in a simulation atoms arrange themselves around our observation around our interaction report that came in from um i can find it for you emily and i apologize to our viewers i can include what i'll do is i'll include my citations from my research in our podcast description um for those viewers that are curious to look more into this because i know i explained it poorly but no but i mean like like i said i think that this is a topic that definitely deserves to be like redone later on in the podcast and or just like going further into it because there are a lot of the layers that we just kind of uncovered like we we talked about like what layer we are in reality we kind of talked a little bit about religion we talked a little bit about elon musk who oh, my hero i love elon musk and i don't care how much hate i get for that because i think that man is brilliant i'd marry him if i could um but <laughs> um there are a lot of different layers that we uncovered in this and that we talked about and i i definitely think that this deserves to to come back to it Yes, definitely. Um, yeah. And, um, so I agree with Emily, like, uh, we will definitely revisit this where maybe Emily and I can both come in a little bit like deeper and a little bit more prepared and we can have a really and more like intellectual in conversation. Depth. Yeah. Um, and in depth. But this was like just the surface for our viewers to kind of talk about like the basics of what it would mean to live in a virtual reality and, and the existence of the possibility of virtual reality. Yeah. And so Emily, I mean, I guess I would just leave you with this and it sounds like you're on my side. It's not unreasonable. And I think that when you talk about simulation theory, people react immediately to this like very dramatic thing that we're all holograms or somebody is at a computer desk, like controlling what we do that we have no sense of free will, but if you just think about it more basically, like what is the difference of our experiments versus Sims in a video game? Like they don't know us. They right. don't need to know us. Like I just genuinely think that there truly is no difference. There's obviously more complexity to create our simulation, but um, why not? Right. Why not? No. Yeah. Why not? Why? Like we can't prove it, but like, why not? I get it, dude. Um, so thank you guys very much for listening. Emily, that is all I have to expose you to today. <laughs> um, thank you everyone so much for listening to us ramble on and like just kind, kind of spiel off exactly what we think simulation theory is. Tom and I had a discussion right before this where he, he was like, I'm really going to try and convince you. And the minute it came out of his mouth, I was like, oh, I'm convinced. Like immediately, <laughs> I'm convinced. I'm on board. This is definitely something that we will come back to. Um, thank you again for listening. We are a newer podcast. We are going to try and release our episodes every Sunday. Um, we're hoping that that works out with our busy schedules and our busy lives. Um, but we hope that you keep listening and just know that the world is freaking strange. <laughs> the world is Bye. very strange, Emily. Bye, Tom. Bye, Emily. Till next time. <laughs>